The Mug, episode nine. Take one. <laughs> Action. There we go. That might have come through. Yeah, so um, so it's another day, another dollar, another mug. Another episode. Welcome to another episode of a podcast in which two people. What is up the world? I'm Derek. What is up the world? And I'm not. And this is the mug. I was surprised by this movie in many ways. <laughs> Say, I was regretting my decision. I, I think this would be something I'd show to my kids. Oh, it's good to hear. I think it's about a father's love for his child. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, a complete stranger's love for that man's <laughs> child. Wore really ugly outfits. <laughs> Puke yellow, prom night, pale blue, you know. I, I don't even know where to start <laughs> with this film. Definitely not a movie I would consider watching unless you tell me to. In this podcast, one of us suggests a beloved movie from our childhood for the other to watch. And then we talk about it. What made us laugh? What made us cry? And whether it explains we're such weirdos. So, first of all, I must apologize for my continual mispronunciation of the word extraneous. I kept saying extraneous, like it's strenuous. (laughs) It's painful. (laughs) Well, it can be extraneous talking to me. (laughs) But also... Thanks, everyone, for your amazing support. It's been overwhelming and incredible. Yeah. And uh, so we're up on iTunes now and we've got Facebook and Twitter and our website's going. And thank you all for being so amazing. Yeah, thanks. It's really strange to have people having listened to me talk. Like, I, I can listen to Derek, but I just can't imagine anyone actually wanting to listen to me. Oh, you sound amazing. Or maybe that's not why you're here. Maybe it is just to listen to Derek. Actually, out of all of our listens, probably a quarter of those are just me listening to you, Peter. Uh, I think that, <laughs> that probably is also the same for me. So, thank you, Derek, for all your <laughs> listens. And uh, thank me for making sure that the hit count goes up as well. But thank you, Peter, for the new theme music. Yeah, so I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And for anyone curious, this was my ridiculous version. So you can see where the talent lies in our dynamic duo. (laughs) Um, Actually, uh, while we're doing apologies, I'll have to apologize because the current film that we're doing, I made mention. Glennis Glennis Jones Jones was in it. Yeah, I was looking out for her. And she wasn't. I thought she was one of the Nazis, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just with a moustache <laughs> Now she's in Mary Poppins I'm pretty sure that was oh, the one So <laughs> Probably watch Mary Poppins and she wasn't in that either Oh that's certainly fine uh, One final bit of bookkeeping We're actually working on a Introducing a fan submission segment Mog Jr Yeah so if you have a beloved film From your childhood that um, You'd want to include in that Post it to our Facebook page, our Twitter feed Or our website themog.com.au or email us at themog at themog.com.au and uh, when you send something through just let us know why it's um, special for you if you have any really clear memories or some some impactful thing like how it scarred you for the rest of your life (laughs) how you can no longer eat meat or you know something along those lines or how from now on you have a perverse delight in seeing people's heads get chopped off and you can be welcome to the mog family yeah yeah we we haven't told you half of our um, disturbed depraved acts that now happen as a result of watching um mary poppins oh my gosh halloween's coming up Mm. 
Oh, Mary Poppins. Okay. <laughs> what did you think I said? <laughs> I'm not I sure. guess it is synonymous with many horror films. <laughs> Sound of music. But our film this week, it's one of yours. It's Bed Knobs and Broomsticks from 1971. Or as I'd like to call it, Angela Poppins. Angela Poppins. Yeah. I also like to call this one by a name. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks or Mr. Brown's Spotted Dick. Potatoes <laughs> <laughs> and mash. It's a very British film, this one. Oh, it so is. I'd love a bit of spotted dick. <laughs> All right, so. I should read the synopsis. I really think you should. <laughs> okay. During the Battle of Britain, Miss Eglantine Price, a cunning witch in training, decides to use her supernatural powers to defeat the Nazi menace. She sets out to accomplish this task with the aid of three inventive children who have been evacuated from the London Blitz. Joined by Emilius Brown, the head of Mrs. Price's witchcraft training correspondence school, the crew uses an enchanted bed to travel into a fantasy land and foil encroaching German troops. That's it. Yeah, that pretty much nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. And very polite German troops. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. I honestly think these are the nicest. Inv- this is the nicest invasion fleet I've ever in- like seen on television. There was one German where he sees the rabbit. He sees the cat, sorry, and he just gives like a little kissy face. <laughs> well, there's another scene where the guy tries to shoot the rabbit, and the other one stops him. Oh wow! So they 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 had a diverse range. Yeah, that of would, opinion, that would, but they're all very polite. They're very funny. The guy stops yeah. him, and he's like, "Yeah, you're right." It wouldn't be right to kill a bunny. Actually, I think it was more about making noise. But um, but the, but just so so polite, and the and the the commander was just like, please be quiet. Oh yeah, <laughs> he did say things like that. Yeah, it. it was very nice. They're all very nice. And he said, "We're not invading. We're just coming along for a bit of a raid to let you know that we can attack you at any time." A little spot of raiding. A spot of raiding. <laughs> it's so British. This film. Oh my I God. wanted to ask you about that stuff because this is, I guess, a childhood question. Because I was massively exposed to the ABC growing up, and so there are all this, this like the goodies and the Wombles and Paddington Bear and this, like in Mary Poppins. You get that sense of that British ingrained in me. Is yeah. it the same for you? I would, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the goodies, uh, Monty Python, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, very much so. And it's like a way to behave almost, it's like a decorum. The the humour is a lot drier, yeah. which I really like. And it, it's a strange dry humour, but slightly crazy Though I'm not really, you don't really get that much in in this movie. You just get, um, but you do get a little bit of dryness from the kids. Yeah, Paul, Paul was great. Yeah, the little one. Yeah, he had some he was nice good. lines. No one, no one listens to me. <laughs> no one listens to me. I have all the answers if you'd only ask me. Uh, What's this yeah. got to do with my knob? <laughs> oh yeah, so many knob references. <laughs> just reminded me of Joe Kremen. Uh, (laughs) Nub jokes Uh, We've got a dad now (laughs) Um, So this was also Angela Lansbury Who is always in my mind Jessica Fletcher Yeah well I was trying to come up with a title for this That was around Jessica Fletcher (laughs) Um, Because yeah she she is great And uh, I've always been a big fan 
the court jester was a bit of a tieback to that as yeah, well. Yeah, which surprised me. Because Glynis Johns is in Disney as well. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah, tell us a bit of background for this one. Actually, this is interesting, not so much from the memory perspective. I know I deflect these, but like this was also one of those ones that we watched a lot on and it was on a, it was on a tape. And with this one, I never realized how much of it had been edited out in the version that oh, we watched. Oh, really? Yeah. Because there's all, like, there are songs and a few little themes in this that um, that they took out, which I found quite interesting. It's a it, um, nice reflection of the um, progressiveness of the whitewashed Australia. Oh, really? In some of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's an example of that? Um, so, you know, uh, the Portobello Road. Oh, I think I know scene? what you mean now. Yeah. Yeah. There was two, uh, instances of foreigners being in that. One is Indians dancing and, and Jamaicans with the steel drums. And both of them were cut out in the version I got. Yeah. I think I read some trivia that they had only booked a slot for the premiere and it was only like an hour and a half and the movie was two hours and they had to cut it down. Just to fit in that slot, the premiere slot. I'm not sure <laughs> if that's just an excuse yeah. to get rid of all the black people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the tremendous amount of them that are in this film. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, though I guess you could say that the Nazis did wear black clothes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. So, so my memory- <laughs> So, my memories of this film- uh, were fairly whitewashed, but um, I, no, I, I really used to like this film because of um, it had many elements of magic and those suits coming to life. You know, there's almost a spooky aspect to this mm. that I liked as well, and also it really fed into my love of books. Oh, right. Because you know the the finding of mysterious books somewhere, going to an op shop or a secondhand bookstore and finding something that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Wow, nice. You know, this really pushed that finding something and going, I haven't seen this anywhere. Oh, wow, that's cool. And Because uh, yeah, it was also based many, on a book. Mary Norton, did you have an experience with that? No, I didn't even realize it until, um, until I watched this, that it was actually based on a couple of books. Oh. Um, the Magic Bait Knob. How to Become a Witch in 10 Easy Lessons and Bonfires and Broomsticks. All, all Mary Norton, right? Uh, yep, yep, yep. Until someone tells me otherwise. <laughs> um, because, you know, I do my deep research on these. <laughs> Thank you, Wiki. <laughs> so, the love of books. Yeah. Uh, y- there's that scene in the library where the bunny rabbit pulls out the, the weathered and beaten book that's just tucked away in a corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bookkeeper uh, who's, you know, hiding down in a basement and, and uh, yeah. The, the, my strongest memories about this film are almost three pieces. Portobello Road, the island, and the ending with the uh, soldiers. It was an epic ending, I have to say. Yeah. So, how did you find this? Yeah, it was... Uh... I actually didn't know anything about this film. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> so understand that. In the that. intro, um, I just started discovering things just in the intro. There's an animation director. Oh, so it's animated. 
<laughs> oh, there's Nazis in here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's set during wartime. Yeah, so it was kind of cool just experiencing it for the first time. But I did get the vibe of Mary Poppins like almost immediately, and then you well, find out it's the same director as yeah, and I think the same uh, the same songwriters as well. Same music, the Sherman Brothers, and um, apparently there were some songs that were meant for Mary Poppins that just didn't make the cut, and they're in this film. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> the beautiful briny sea. I didn't know that piece of trivia, but to be honest, I. Kind of get that vibe. And Julie Andrews was meant to be in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she turned it down. But by the time... She, oh, what? She sorry, sorry. Say that again. Did Julie you say- Andrews, like Mary Poppins, was meant to yeah. be the witch. Meant to oh, be Angela really? Lansbury. But Angela Lansbury got in first. Like, oh, she, right. she signed the contract. Well, I can't really imagine Mr. Bang... Uh, sorry, I was about to say Mr. Banks. Because <laughs> he's in this too. <laughs> because he's in this too. Yeah. Mr. Brown, still the bees. David Tomlinson. And uh, Julie Andrews. Yeah, I can't really imagine Julie Andrews and and Mr. Brown, you know, getting it together at the end. Yeah. In, in her golden one piece. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was one of the scenes that was skipped. We'll get oh to my that. gosh! I didn't. I didn't even know about it. Did the I? horror! <laughs> oh my god! My god! Okay, but uh, yeah, the the version that I watched was really cut down, and I do remember in terms of uh, back to childhood stuff that we did do a lot of fast forwarding of the beginning credits because they go forever. Oh, okay. Like it sort of set the scene for me because I have no, no idea about this. Yeah. It was sort of animated drawing intro with nice music and it pretty much tells the whole story. It was that tapestry type um, view mm. where you had uh, the history of witches and then all the way up to Germans attacking. Yeah, that was surprising. It was cool to see the, you know, the Nazis with guns and the subs and these ghost-like uh, suits of armor. It was, it was a little bit of foreshadowing, but it was cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, essentially, these kids that have been evacuated from London, they um, arrive up on her doorstep. And um, and there was even... The, did you notice the priest that pops in twice in the movie? Yeah, what was up with that? He Well, he just wanted to visit to uh, lift the children's spirits. Yeah. Which was really dodgy. But maybe that's just me. Oh, did you feel that? No, I think I was just considering our our encounter with the city of lost children and probably <laughs> <laughs> the dodgy priests in oh that film. Oh my god! Did you notice all the British loyalism though? Like, oh the, yeah, there's that whole thing with the um, soldiers of the old home yeah, guard. That did. That was one of the scenes that was skipped. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Like this discriminated against any potential minority. Uh, they're, ah. So they skip the old people. That really set the mood for me, that song, because like it's close-ups of old men's faces and many moustaches and, you know, different accents and it's all just a sort of battered Britain you get the sense of. Yeah, well, it, it really... Um, this movie really did have more, well, for want of a better word, older people in it. Like the the cast wasn't a, a youngish cast except for the children. Mm. So you had um, it was sort of like parents and kids, except the parents weren't really parents; they were caretakers. Yeah, 
and and it was a vegetarian household as well. Oh, was it really? Well, all all the except things... for Mr. Brown. Yeah, well, once he came, that was out the window. He was sausage and mash. Yeah, bit of sausage, bit of spotted dick. <laughs> just can't help saying it. You just want bubble and squeak. Bubble and squeak. The that's the one I was trying to remember. Bubble and squeak. <laughs> And it's the Cockney accents of those kids oh, versus God. the proper speech of Mrs. Price. Yeah. And that it, it was it Charlie. He was a bit of a menace. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't so likable. No. He was a he was a bitch. He was, <laughs> was a little bit annoying. Yeah. And if he got adopted by um by Amelius Brown, he'd be called Charlie Brown. <laughs> Just a bit of <laughs> trivia that's completely useless. That's gold. That's gold. Um, yeah, it's a very suiting, suitable name for him. Yeah, well, uh, but he uses like Cockney slang, like the old loaf, which is like loaf of bread. Yeah, uh, I have a bit of a loaf. Things like that. That was kind of. And he tries to blackmail her once they find out that she's a witch for a bit of lolly. Bit of lolly. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna do the one. worst accents throughout this entire podcast, <laughs> and in advance, I am going to apologise to anyone <laughs> too. who is either good at accents or has an accent but how does lolly become cash what do you what do you use to buy lollies oh okay but i thought it had to be like you know old loaf of bread head lolly something oh i actually have no idea oh (laughs) i I really don't maybe it's a lorry full of cash (laughs) and then they could pronounce lorry i don't know yeah but um (laughs) but the kid on the other hand paul he was he was good yeah, he was good. And um, Carrie, she was nice too. Yeah, yeah. It was she just, was a sweet girl. Yeah, it was just the, the little kid. Just Charlie. He gets his comeuppance <laughs> on occasion though. He gets kicked in the ass by um, his own suit. And, turned um, into a rabbit. And he gets turned into a rabbit and almost eaten by a cat. Yeah. Which is a shame really. You know, could have been a bit faster that cat. Oh, and then it sort of... He whisks them away on the bed and it's all like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. I thought it was that like, too. It was like a toned down version of Willy Wonka. Yeah, psychedelic it's colors. The, yeah, it's without the chicken head getting chopped off. Oh my gosh. But it was the same year as that. Mm. So, maybe there was something going on. Yeah, psychedelic. Trade secrets. Maybe they never actually left the house. And, you know, that, that first meal was her giving out all of the, uh, the shrooms to everyone. And the kids get poisoned and that's how it ends. Yeah, that's it. It basically, the entire film is a drug trip. The Jerry's are actually the prison guards taking her away for murdering the kids. Yeah. <laughs> we have to cut that one got out. Bit, it got a bit dark. <laughs> too far out there. <laughs> but that's when Professor Brown enters and he was gold. Yeah, he's introduced as a essentially a bad magician. And it's his the way he speaks, it's just so comedic. Gentlemen, gentlemen <laughs> Don't go and regret lost opportunities later. <laughs> I am by nature a little bit of a coward. Yeah, that's what <laughs> for you, my dear sir, one copper coin of the realm. <laughs> a little bit of John Cleese there. He's a very honest charlatan. <laughs> yeah, John Cleese. Yeah, true. Just without yeah. the anger issues. <laughs> Rage. Yeah. And he's got his hopes and dreams of becoming the magnificent Emilius, assisted by Mademoiselle yeah. Francesca. <laughs> 
who he imagines as he imagines Angela Lansbury in that oh outfit. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh, geez. oh man, totally unnecessary. At least they did it from a distance. Yeah. So later on, at the end, towards the end, where he's sort of he's left the the family and he's by himself, he has a vision of Angela Lansbury in this golden one piece, and um. The look that just came across my face. She's balancing <laughs> on this railway line and it's all just legs and horror. Uh, it just came out of nowhere. And I had no idea because it was it was cut out as well. And I can imagine why. <laughs> so all I can think about is Jessica Fletcher in a one piece now. Yep. <laughs> Cabot Cove. Oh my gosh. But Brown was great. Yeah, he's he, he was a bit of a classic. And it's sort of, there's a song in this, which I didn't expect either. Like, I didn't know what to expect coming into this. But He um, would just break out in a song. In fact, most of the songs was him breaking out into songs. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, there's about one song in this that I really like. And that's the Portobello, Portobello Road. Yeah, that was great. That was good. It just kept going as well. Yeah, I, I'm not, not counting all the dancing that went on. Just the beginning of it with oh, the... Yeah. With the singing of it, um, it yeah. had a nice tune to it. I really liked it. So yeah, I guess this guy—he's no Dick Van Dyke, but he's got that character. He's yeah, got, he can—he pulls it off. Absolutely. And it was like a massive dance number. There was like sailors. That was huge. And Charlie Chapman skid in there. The Scots. Yep. Sort of traditional dances as well. As long as it was, uh, you know, a white tradition. It was fine. It was protected. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see the cut version. Yeah. So, it was cool seeing steel drums in there. I thought. Yeah, no, I actually think that they did try to represent all the groups that were involved. In the war, yeah. So, I'm not criticizing the movie so much as the edit that was done yeah. for my tape, yeah. which would have been on Australian television. <laughs> but then there's this guy Swinburne and he just suddenly whips out a knife and it's like, whoa. It's quite real when that happened. Because he'd heard that they were looking for this book. Um, so, so going back briefly, Angela Lands. I can never remember her name. Miss Price. Miss Price, yeah. I can never remember her first name, even though there was a song about it. Well, actually, let's go all the way back because she picks up this broom and that's how she met the children. Yeah. But then there's a broom flight. Do you remember that as a kid? Yeah, I do. So, that, that was, was pretty great. She's basically going through a course in How to Be a Witch, which Mr. Brown has put together based on all the spells in this book that he has. And he doesn't actually realize that the spells work. So, he's just sending them out, making slight changes to them and sending them out. Mm -hmm. And they're working for her. So, she picks up her broom from the postal office and uh, that's where she meets the kids as well at, um, at a museum nearby. And then she proceeds in the evening after the kids have gone to bed to, um, to give it a go. It was cool seeing Lansbury as a younger and sort of excited actress. Yeah. I thought she had that life in her. And she had these really classic tortoiseshell glass frames. Yeah. Really classy. <laughs> <laughs> you can could, you could look at that today and say, yeah, that's style. Well, yeah. If it goes out of style, just give it another five years and it'll be back. <laughs> but all, there were things like never straddle, which is always a lady. That's right. <laughs> Has to nice. sit on the side, but she gives it up in the end because it's just not working. Yeah. And the enchantments are spoken, so you can see like the influence of J.K. Rowling maybe here. Yeah, filigree, apogee, pedigree, pelagy, or something. Yeah, and you know, like the whisk of the hand. 
It's very Harry Potter. You mentioned the cat um, influence here, I think, in this one. But that cat, it was actually a puppet for most of it. Really? Yeah. And it was really sickly looking. Like, the fur was it all cl- clumpy. <laughs> she got the most raggedy cat in existence. I didn't realize it was a puppet because even when it wasn't a puppet, it looked like a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> I think to get some of those animations, you know, some of the expressions, it needed to be a puppet. Like you would know, you would sit with a cat. How, you can you train cats? I think it's probably more bribery than anything else. <laughs> but was that the influence you wanted to get a cat from this one? Actually, the what Derek is referring to is that I used to have a black cat during the school years. No, that cat uh, picked us. Ah, we didn't actually go out and get get her. She she picked us and oh, wow. adopted us. That's cool. So, it was no Cosmic Creepers. No, no, definitely not. I think uh, Cosmic Creepers didn't really have many things going for it. It was um, it was a pretty nasty cat. <laughs> yeah. But actually, as soon as the flying started, the Mary Poppins came through for me and I sort of got the gist. It was a very spoonful of sugar. Sort of. it, yeah, it was it was um, a bit toned down, Mary Poppins. It didn't have all the classic songs that were in it. There were some memorable parts of this film. Watching it again, I can see how it wasn't really as popular as Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. But there are good bits in it, some good memories for me. I, I often will come back to Portobello Road, just a song. I did some work in London for two months and uh, Portobello Road was just around the corner. Oh, wow. As soon as I found out, I had to go there. Yeah, from this film. Yeah, and I just had it in my head the whole time, that piece wow. of music. Really? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It is a great, that uh, song's the greatest in this movie. And so you were mentioning that that's how they were sort of on this mission to find the other half of this book. Yeah, so because there's uh, the final spell which is missing. Uh, what was the spell? It was... Uh, the uh, something of substitutionary locomotion. Oh, yeah, that's it. Spell of substitutionary locomotion or something. Yeah. And when they speak the words of that one, all I can think of is Dracarys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, because they, they, yeah. Um, they say Dracanum or something. Yeah, Dracorum. Dracorum. I yeah. yeah. I can't believe I remember that. But they do repeat it a lot, so. Yeah. Dracorum Satis D. <laughs> Dracaris. Yeah, Dracaris. <laughs> Dragon appears, burns them all. Close enough. Close <laughs> enough. But also suddenly animation. Yeah, so what happens is they finally find the second half of the book and uh, realize that it's actually not in the book, the last spell. It's on a, a medallion that the wizard who wrote the book had. And he created all these animals that could talk and they killed him and they went away to this island of Naboomboo. Mm-hmm. And um, the child, what, uh, Paul, Paul. Uh, he has found a book at the place where they were staying, called, which was a children's book about it. Little did they know that it had everything that they needed in that children's book. I think no, there was a little message in there that, you know. Listen to kids. You must pay attention. Listen to kids, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he had all the answers all along. Basically, they were really reliant on him because he, he had his knob and they were very reliant on his knob. Oh my gosh. And they had to make him play with his knob all the time just to get from place to place. <laughs> to turn it to the left. And then when they say left, he had to he hold up both of his hands. I thought that was cute. He didn't know <laughs> yeah. which one was left. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he had to tap it three times and yeah. twist it a little. But like he was so cute. Like um, when the bookkeeper 
was asking him to give me the book, boy. Paulie would just go, not likely. <laughs> not bloody likely. <laughs> not bloody likely. <laughs> I found that hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they use the bed to, tell, to go to this island, and that's where all of the cartoons come in. Yeah, it was under the sea, man. With a, song, with a diff- <laughs> very different song with a ballroom song. <laughs> yeah. And they can breathe underwater. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because like after the message from space where you... Um, did you lose your mind about them breathing underwater? <laughs> well, it was cartoon. I figured that in the cartoon world, they could breathe. I figured they were in some type of alternative cartoon world. <laughs> okay, there was an explanation. Well, the, I think that was the... That was the reasoning that I came up with just to, uh, to keep myself sane. And the colours were great in that, that scene. So, unlike the Phantom Tollbooth, um, all the main characters stay live action, but everything around them is uh, cartoon, like uh, Mary mm. Poppins. Yeah. And um, there's Baloo. It looks like Baloo. Oh, yeah, from- I know. Hey, except a sailor version. Yeah. No peoplin allowed. <laughs> That's a good impression. And then the king, there's like this crazy reverb on his voice. Sounded so crazy. The king, uh, oh, Leonidas. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, uh, yeah, he's like, you're doing fine, matey. <laughs> he was like a sea captain. Line? Yeah, they're all kind of, yeah. It was a bit strange <laughs> that they're all sort of sea orientated. But this guy, this, this king is a soccer fanatic. And uh, the problem is that they can't get a ref. Mr. Brown puts his hand up and um, opts to be a ref so that he can get his hands on the medallion which sits around the lion's uh, neck. Yeah, and he does. He pulls off the old gypsy switch. Yeah, the gypsy switch. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he was so hilarious. And after they're all done, it's like, oh, we could do with a cup of tea. <laughs> Pint to settle the nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I think they cut that bit out as well. Oh, Not that a kid would actually know what a pint oh, is. Oh, man. But the soccer game got a bit tedious for me. But I guess, like, I've watched enough stuff with my brother's kid to know that it's all about the colors and the sounds yeah. and animals. Yeah. You know, there were rhinos and hyenas laughing and elephants. It was yeah, good stuff for kids. A lot of slapstick humor for kids with yeah. cartoons. Then uh, I think as a kid, uh, I did like that bit. But the the nature of soccer did play out one goal one goal <laughs> half an hour film yeah. <laughs> and he decides that he's going to keep it for some reason i don't know why they knocked this in but it's just like i'll hold on to the medallion uh women always lose things yeah and there was a line later on where it's like why can't women file anything correctly <laughs> yeah why? It just, yeah, it was from? completely unnecessary. I reckon they were ad libs. It's the other way around, isn't it? Men are terrible at filing and keeping things. Yeah, though I do, I do think that they uh they made fun of him in some ways about that, where they uh where they made it so that the medallion disappeared as soon as uh, he tried to bring it out again. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But uh, yeah, it was kind of funny because um, from then on, you know, because of their adventure, adventure, the kids adopt Mr. Price as mum and Mr. Brown as the dad. And they go, well, we got a dad now. Yeah, and Mrs. Hopday turned up and said, it's time for the children to move on. And then Brown suddenly leaves. Yeah, he's, he's like, as soon as they say, we've got a dad now, he goes, whoa, Nelly, <laughs> I got to be going. <laughs> It's just like, wow, he was out of there. Yeah, the Carrie was, it... was crying. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, he was put in a very awkward position because uh, Miss Price is looking at him 
Like um, scary big eyes. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> this is up to you. <laughs> My gosh, Lansbury has such big eyes. You know, there started to be a bit of magic between the two. Yeah. Did you see what I did there? Oh, <laughs> the magic nose. Bill twinkle in the eye. <laughs> and then shortly after, there's the One Piece thing, which. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So he's lying. He's lying on a bench at the train station. Because he doesn't want to go back to the house. And he's just thinking that he's a coward and all of that. And he nods off to sleep. And then he wakes up and uh, sees uh, the One Piece in all its glory. Uh, which only really, that only lasts for like, what, five seconds. But, but it gets to etched get in your <laughs> Back of your retinas. Oh, God. <laughs> From then on, you don't actually see much of the movie. You just see that in the middle Jessica of everything. Jessica Fletcher, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know how she did it. But at the same time, the Nazis have landed. Yeah. So things are getting real now. Yeah, that's that's right. Lives are in danger of being slightly... Uh, ruffled. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be slightly put out. They won't get to have their cup of tea because <laughs> this raid, this terrible raid that the Nazis have planned out. Ah, oh, the Germans. The Germans are very polite. But the family gets moved to the castle and Brown, he runs back. He's trying to be courageous at this point because of the golden one piece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, there's a funny scene where like he uses, he, he tries to the rabbit spell and you think he's going to use it on the Germans. But he, he turns around and looks in the mirror and <laughs> uses it on himself. Yeah, that's true. I thought that was gold. I never even made that connection until you just said it then that he could have done it on the Germans. Oh, okay. It's like it's like scripture for you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's right. He had no choice, Derek, all right? <laughs> he had no choice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so he turns himself into a rat, uh, rabbit using the mirror. And at this point, um, he meets up with Lansbury and they use the the reanimation spell on the armor and it's amazing it's an epic end mm. it's like a moonlit hill full of this reanimated army and Lansbury's on a broom yeah. and she's got a helmet and sword and she's straddling it and <laughs> the great Britain flag it's all very moving <laughs> <laughs> and the Germans are just dumbfounded. I think you have a bit of an infatuation now with Angela Lansbury, man. <laughs> She's straddling like, that broom, You're man. talking about all this one piece and straddling of brooms. I mean, I must admit, I never made those connections. I guess as an adult. Ah, uh, Miss Fletcher. <laughs> but the Germans, they're trying their best to have a, have a fight back. And, you know, they're throwing grenades and granata. Yeah, that was a good one. Like there was a piece where they threw a grenade at um, a suit of armor, which was like a, a horse armor and um, a knight on top. And it exploded and the um, suit of armor fell to pieces and then rearranged itself back on top. But everything was out of place. <laughs> the shoe that was, was on really his good. head. And... Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> and there was one bit where the German is like on knight legs. <laughs> He's just oh, yeah, walking around. Right. <laughs> yeah. That was apparently that was just his legs, and they were like little robot legs for his human legs. It was funny, but man, that yeah, like those knights and the horses. It was a really cool feeling. Yeah, I get why you would have liked that. It's sort of like ghosts. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Mm. You were talking before about British influence. One thing that I love was the idea of British ghosts. You know, the ghosts in the castles, the moors. You know, that really dull, overcast feeling that you get you know that cold feeling and that bit of mystery there as to you can't actually see 
what's inhabiting these things even though really it's a reanimation of the armor for a kid looking at it it's very spooky and very ghostly which i love from a sound design point of view i i did expect a bit more bass rumble it was more of like a really clangy sort of like falling cutlery sound (laughs) (laughs) like little forks and teaspoons yeah you're probably right there popping along yeah but it yeah it was thrilling though seeing them reanimated and advancing like that oh and that bit um so the nazis are retreating and uh they lay dynamite on the house and blow it up so they blow a big hole in her house Mm. uh, which sends her flying and um so while they're running away she lands and all the spell breaks Mm. and there's this bit that always used to freak me out where all of the armor starts to die. So, oh, yeah. And those strings are playing where everything's slowing down. And oh, wow. Everything's sagging in on itself and flattening out. And that always used to kind of creep me out a bit. Yeah. Because um, it was like the, everything was dying and going away. Yeah, I can see that. And, um, and then at the end, he goes to war, which didn't happen in my version. Oh, really? He didn't join the they army? They skipped the bit where... Yeah, he didn't join the army. It was just kind of... Yeah, they cut they cut a lot of the going to war and stuff. How did it end then? Oh, it was just they're all together and I don't know exactly how they did the the Professor Brown thing, but they uh did, you know, oh we've lost all your spells now. Oh, I wasn't really that great a witch anyway. I knew as soon as I as soon as I saw the poison dragon's liver I wasn't gonna be a witch in the long term. Oh. And then Paul brings out his knob again. Oh, it might have ended um, there, yeah. And then says, But we've still got my knob. Yeah. And that's kind of how it ended. Ah, it's really different then, isn't it? Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that they skipped out, but they did skip out some some stuff that I'm glad that they did, like the song when he's um in the library with her. Oh yeah. And you know how he's singing Miss Eglantine. Oh my god, that went on forever. He was more of he was she was wooing her. He was. <laughs> yeah. I he should have kept it to himself. <laughs> Eglantine. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't either exactly. So that, that's how memorable a lot of the songs in this are. And a lot of them are really short too. Like he'll just break out, start singing stuff and then it's kind of over. Yeah, there was like one about not believing or something. Yeah, that's right. When you're when you're at that age where you stop believing in Age things. of not believing, yeah. And that was quick. It was um, quick. That was They kind of did almost the Mary Poppins thing of, you know, when they do the cleaning up, except in this time it's like... Well, you're a little bastard child now. <laughs> oh, Charlie. <laughs> I remember when I was a little shit. <laughs> and I looked it up. It's the only film he's ever done, poor dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, they uh, gave him a really bad role, I think. <laughs> maybe he's a cool actor. But he probably was. Yeah, the worst. He probably was. Or maybe he just, uh, you know what probably happened? He probably got picked on at school oh, yeah. after he played in the role. Because... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's probably been scarred for life. <laughs> poor, poor Charlie. Poor Charlie. It's just like Fergus. A Fergus. <laughs> Unfortunate yeah, Fergus. Fergus. Ian <laughs> Waghill. Is that it? Or Whale. Mm. That was his name, Charlie. So what would you say now after watching again? Um, this one actually has lost a bit of its luster. Um, message from Space actually watching it again almost glorified it for me <laughs> but um and watching the toy added a new dimension of horror to my life but at the same time i found it hilarious to talk about 
This one's just a little bit less grand as it was um, when I was growing up. Uh-huh. Some of the scenes in it are still really great. But I think I used to have this almost in par with Mary Poppins and those other Disney sing-along films. Yeah. But this one, you know, some of it's a bit not so great. And I can actually imagine, I can understand why some of it was skipped watching it as a kid because the version I watched skipped a lot of those songs that weren't really that engaging and it just kept the plot moving along. So it was a bit tighter with those things added in as kind of waiting for the next bit. Oh, and, uh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But there's very much still bits of this that I really do enjoy. Uh, Mr. Brown does make a lot of this, I think. Yeah, he was amazing. He really adds the character to this. Because Angela Lansbury is good, but she's not. But she, I, I don't. But I don't know if anyone could make it great. Mm. But she was good, and the kids were the kids were good. Paul was great, as you say. Um, I never realized how little the girl had to do in this. She was the sort of emotional connection, I guess. Yeah, she was really the. She was really the almost the real child mm. of the bunch. It was kind of poignant seeing how them they were all playing with the toys and. Brown's Mansion. That's true, yeah. They were poor kids. Yeah, they'd never actually experienced what it's like to to have toys to themselves. And there's no real discussion as to what's happened to their parents. Mm. Yeah, the stuff with the children was really handled interestingly because they played at a point in time when children were being taken out of London because of the Blitz and going to different families but there's no real discussion about what happened to their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you has, I guess you just have to assume that they've died considering that they wanted to adopt Miss Price and Mr. Brown as their parents. Yeah. Like we've got a dad now. But it's never really discussed. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think this film was a place to sort of go into that though. No. Yeah. So I guess how would you rate it on your nostalgia meter? Um, I'll, I'd probably give it about a seven. Yeah. Give it a seven. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, it's it's reasonable. It's it's a bit higher than average because of some, like Portobello Road really is a big thing. That's something that I, you know, one of those things I know that I carry carried with me. And that love of magic, really, I guess in a way, watching it again, the nostalgia may not be as, it may not seem as great as it once did to me. But at the same time, uh, I know that this has had a big impact on me because I like the idea of, you know, dusty old books and that ghostly night setting, that mystery and that magic, you know, magical spells. It really did have a lot of that stuff in it that was really great for a kid, yeah. really engaging. So your imagination really plays a lot in this film, I think, when you're watching it. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, when you're an old fart, it loses some of some of that magic. I don't know. I still, I, I thought um, it did. It like the story itself was really interesting. Set in World War Two, you know, there's Nazis and witches. <laughs> it's really out yeah. there. It um, does. It's a good pitch. <laughs> yeah, and you know the the spell that they're searching for, and the kids help find is the one that saves the day. It wasn't the old man of the British Guard. It was. The, the witch with her spell and the three kids and the, the cunning Mr. Brown, you know, using his wily ways as always, <laughs> his cowardly, cowardly ways, you know, he yeah, sort of yeah. found his courage in the end. And I yeah. didn't get the cut down version. So seeing him join the army was pretty nice. Yeah. In the end, you see that he's willing to put in some 
changes for the family that he's come to love. Yeah, and I, I, I was waiting for like an end credit scene where they say, Mr. Brown sadly did not return. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm so used to like Band of Brothers and all of that. You know where they, they always tell you what happens to these characters. I'm just waiting for Mr. Brown. Sadly, Mr. Brown was killed. Uh, he got... Uh... I think in Peter's version, there would be like these these still scenes where they, they enter... He caught dysentery and died on the no, trip. No, but even introducing characters like the kid, their parents died. <laughs> they were blown apart by mine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, slightly morbid. I'm sorry. That's great. <laughs> I think we should leave it there then. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. But on terms of my nostalgia meter, it's not quite as high as Message from Space. But um, yeah, so but I hope you enjoyed it. But this one enters in for my nostalgia meter now because in 30 years time, I'm going to be thinking about that golden one piece. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess that, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and a little bit of spotted dick. Oh, you know, that's the name of this film. That's the alternative name. Spotted dick in the golden one piece. Um, <laughs> Well, thanks so much for that. Thanks so much for listening. And um, what's next? Well, next is a joint movie that both of us enjoyed. Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Thanks very much for listening and uh, supporting us. We really do appreciate it. Send us any, you know, if you want to leave comments or reviews, please do so. You know, any support we really appreciate. Um, Just keep on listening. Tell your friends. And thanks very much. Thanks again. Good night. Good night. Have you stopped? Have you stopped? Have you? Would you like a bit of halting? <laughs> a halting. bit of halting in, is in order. I'm stopping. Jolly good. Jolly good, governor. I've got to press stop now. <laughs> <laughs>